from the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. To Chamberlain, he's got it! Jerry West made it from the other side of the mid-court strike! To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. And Magic Johnson is out there celebrating! Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. A time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe. From way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron. For three for the win! Yes! And rings were handed out like candy. Here's Jordan. Yes. It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Garrett Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host, Garrett Bougay, and with me this week, I've got a very special guest. He's a regular on the program and a fellow sports business classroom alum, James Trigger. James, thanks so much for, for coming on. Thanks for having me again, man. It's good to be here. Yeah, and uh, for, for this episode, James and I decided we're going to be uh, talking about all things All-Star Week, uh, we're going to break down what we what we saw on uh, on All-Star Day, which uh, was this past Sunday with the Skills Challenge, the three-point contest, the, the dunk contest, and then the, the game itself. And then at the end of the episode, we're going to uh, sort of recreate what LeBron and, and KD did last Thursday and, and do our own All-Star Draft with uh, me acting as LeBron and James acting as uh, as Kevin Durant, but but first James, you know the 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 event started off with the uh, the the skills challenge on on Sunday night, and Domantas Sabonis ended up winning the the competition over Nikola Vucevic in the final. But it continued this uh, this trend we've had over the last couple of years of the the big men dominating the competition. Yeah, exactly, man. I mean, you don't expect to see two big men. Um... Finals there. I mean, you see Luca on one side, Chris Paul on the other, but those guys always have the ball in their hands. So you figured that at least one of them, if not both, would have been in the finals. But it's good to give the big men some love, especially in uh, in a set of skills that they don't really get a lot of credit for. Yeah, and you know, one of the things that that stood out to me that uh, that I thought the bigs honestly were were better than the, the the little guys was was that that chest pass through the tire. And I remember when the competition originally, uh, a few years back, started, they, they had uh, more than just the, the simple chess pass. I think you had to do a bounce pass as well, and you had to convert about two or three passes to complete the course. But now with just that one chess pass, yeah, it looked like Sabonis and, and Vucevic rarely even touched the tire. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's because, you know, because you see in the games, right, the guards have a bunch of variations of different passes, whether it's bounce pass, they're, they're giving it to the big inside. Um, I don't know if they were more lackadaisical with the pass, if the bigs just took more pride in wanting to win it. But yeah, that was something I saw too that was uh, confusing because you'd expect the guards to uh, dominate the bigs and something like that. Yeah, and I, I do think just a matter of how... how uh... You know how intense you're you're taking the competition. You could tell that uh, Sabonis, in particular, was was really going pretty pretty hard. And uh, apparently, he even uh, they they asked him in the the, the interview post uh, as he was holding the trophy. You know that he was actually out there as the only guy warming up. You know, getting loose. 
but uh, yeah, guys like Chris Paul, you could tell he was uh, going at about 50% and uh, even blew a, a right-hand layup as well at one point. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the skills challenge has never been that that exciting for me, so we can we can probably move on unless you got anything else to, to say about it. Well, I will say, if, if you had asked me before it took place, you said a big man was going to win it, I definitely would have said Julius Randle. Um, and I was also very surprised that Covington uh, was in it at all. You know, he's not really a guy who's known for his skills. Um, so it was an interesting lineup, but it was, uh, it was, it was pretty fun to watch nonetheless. Yeah, they were the, the only reason, seemingly, that, that Covington was in there is because he attended an HBCU uh, yeah, he, he certainly is not a player that I would think is in the upper echelon in terms of his skill set. He is a good basketball player, but for, for more athletic and uh, you know defensive reasons. But uh, let's, let's move on to the three-point contest, which was, in my mind, the highlight of the, uh, the All-Star Day. And it, it typically is, in my mind. And they had, uh, they had six contestants, Jalen Brown, Donovan Mitchell, Zach Levine, Jason Tatum, Mike Conley, and... Steph Curry, and in uh, in the first round, you know, we had some some great performances. Steph ended up putting up 31 in that first round, and even guys like Donovan Mitchell and Zach Levine, who put up what what you would think is respectable numbers with uh, 22 points apiece, they were eliminated because because Conley, Curry, and Tatum all had 25 and up. Yeah, um, I mean, Steph is going to do what he does. Um... But, you know, I think the story of this whole thing was, was Conley, right? Yeah. Being the replacement for somebody like Devin Booker. And he caught a lot of flack because a lot of people thought that somebody like Trey Young um, should have been in the three-point contest or maybe some other three-point specialist to replace Booker to try to compete with uh, with Steph. But, you know, Conley gets in there and first all-star game and, and kills it in the first round. It was awesome. Yeah, the the interesting thing, too, you know, each, each of the players gets an opportunity there are there are uh, six total locations plus the two Mountain Dew Dew Zone spots, uh, but uh, out of those six locations, each player can pick one of those to be their money ball rack. And I found it interesting, you know, Conley had his money ball ra- rack at the top of the key, and he really drilled it from from straight away. Yeah, it's an interesting spot. Um, you know, you'd think for efficiency and, and obviously distance to the hoop. Uh, corners, right. The right corner for a lot of these guys, left corner in Conley's case, but um, it's it's cool to see that that those guys have different spots on the floor that they're comfortable uh, shooting the three ball. Yeah, and even Steph was was on the right wing, but yeah, I'm with you. If if it were me, I would I would take the shot that's uh, you know basically two feet shorter. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, so so again, Tatum, Conley, and Curry ended up making it to the uh, the final round. And Tatum, you know, had a poor showing, putting up just 17. But then uh, Conley and Curry really put on a show. Conley doing really well again, uh, hitting those money balls at the top of the key. He was unable to convert the, uh, the the deep shots, the ones from about 30 feet that counted for three points, but still ended up with a really impressive score of 27, but was just barely outdone by Steph Curry, who hit both of the, uh, the Mountain Dew shots and also hit his final money ball in the right corner to win the competition. Yeah, it was a great way to end it. Um, because once Conley put up the you know the 27 there in the final round, you figure 28, then 27. I mean, it's this guy's night. Um, but you can't count out Steph. And I thought it was an exciting finish, you know, coming down to the final rack there. You could even tell with, 
with the guys that were announcing, you know, he's got to hit X number of balls on this rack to put it away, and uh, it was a great way to finish it. One thing that was kind of annoying watching it, especially in that first round, whoever was keeping score, they were they were having a hard time keeping up, it seemed. Yes. What was that? Yeah, I I don't know exactly, and it got to the point where I just started counting it out on myself because I knew I you know I couldn't trust whatever the score was up on the screen, but uh, that was that was a bit frustrating. But uh, yeah, the the ending was the ending was absolutely fantastic, and it was a really really thrilling competition. It was one of those things where I would have been happy if if, if either guy won. You know, obviously Conley his first all-star appearance you know would have been happy for him to to pull it out but you know Steph the greatest shooter in the world I think it's uh it's probably just that he now has uh, two three-point crowns yeah it's it's fitting for him um and you know I don't know how these guys feel about actually competing in the all-star game itself but to win these uh something like the three-point contest or even the dunk contest which which I think we're going to talk about shortly um there's some there's some different kind of bragging rights there so yeah, let's let's get into that dunk contest. This was an abbreviated one because it took place at halftime of the actual game, but they only had three contestants. They had Infernee Simons of the Portland Trailblazers, Obi Toppin of the New York Knicks, and then Cassius Stanley, who technically is on the Pacers but has played a lot in the G League. I don't know about you, James, but you know the last couple of years the the uh, the dunk contest has been mired in controversy due to the the judging. And the scoring on a lot of these dunks, I I myself feel that uh, Aaron Gordon has been robbed twice in the dunk contest. But uh, it it seemingly, you know, it it got off to another kind of questionable start as Cassius Stanley, uh, a a six-foot guy, mind you, went up and did a between-the-legs lefty dunk that was, you know, pretty ferocious and got just a 44. Yeah, that was was pretty strange. And... You know, you, you figured, okay, well, if, if they're going to give him a 44 for that, you know, is that how they're going to score for the rest of the night? Are they going to are they going to use that as their base? And that and that just wasn't the case. So, you know, it could be um, could be a little bit of being probably the least popular among the three, though among the masses, I don't think you know the three are, are very popular. Um, but maybe uh, maybe there's some discrimination there. You know, Pacers guy, young guy. Um, you know, wasn't uh, wasn't very well known. G League guy might be some uh, some bias there. Yeah, it uh, he ended up getting the third highest score of the first round, despite what I thought was the the best dunk. Uh, Obi Toppin had a you know a basically converted a reverse two hand finish. He did bounce the ball between his legs, like basically prior to jumping to make it look a little bit cooler. But it was pretty much you know a six nine guy doing a reverse two hand dunk. Uh, and then Anferny Simons uh, had one where he put the ball up at the uh, the top left corner of the square on the backboard and grabbed it and finished. Uh, but, you know, neither of those dunks really impressed me that much. But Stanley then going into round two really felt like he had to do something special. And I, I guess I should say the, the second dunk of round one. And he, uh, you know, went and tried something the first couple of times and was unsuccessful, so then he went for something a little bit more that he was confident he could make, but he was pretty much out of it at that point. So it uh, it came down to Obi Toppin and Inferni Simons in that uh, in that final round, and the, the two dunks, I, I didn't think, I don't know about you, but I didn't find either of them that impressive. Toppin did a, 
basically a step inside the free throw line between the legs dunk and then and Fernie Simons, which ended up being the eventual winning dunk. The, the judges this time, again, probably due to the controversy of, uh, of uh, the, the Levine and Gordon dunk contest, ended up just, instead of giving a score in the final round, they just picked a winner. And uh, Simons did what was like a kiss of the rim where he jumped up and uh, he didn't actually kiss it, which uh, for, for me makes it... Uh, uh, a uh, quite inferior dunk than uh, than advertised, but that ended up winning the day, winning three out of the five judges' decision. Yeah, it's funny how they uh, how they scored the final round there. You know, in years past, like you had mentioned, I agree with you. Uh, I think that Aaron Gordon was robbed twice, but you know, for the judges to have to give a score and then get booed because people think that somebody got robbed, now they just say. We don't have to give you any backup. This is the guy that we picked. We're just picking the guy, and that's it. Um, yeah, man, I, th- I thought uh, I-, I agree with you too on the on the Simon's dunk. It's all about the aesthetic, and if he's able to actually do it, you know, that's something that people talk about for years to come because it's a it's a unique kind of dunk. But when you don't actually do it, it's like take, trying to take off from the free throw line, and then you see the guy's foot. And it's a foot inside the free throw line. Um, it's a nice thought, but you gotta you gotta pull it pull it out. Exactly. So yeah, I think the other the other reasoning behind uh, the the whole judges not giving a score is you know that that Levine Gordon dunk off went on for you know five or six dunks if I remember correctly, and and given that this was taking place at halftime, they probably just wanted to avoid having some situation where yeah the thing is taking an extra 40 minutes because uh, the judges are continually giving out 50s. But uh, let's uh, let's get to the game then. And uh, this was uh, another, like the, like the dunk contest, I found the game to be quite disappointing, especially given that the team LeBron absolutely, absolutely dominated uh, for, for all four quarters. You know, they had the situation where they, they did the scoring for each quarter and uh, LeBron's team took home the, uh, the the charity money for for each and every quarter and with the the whole Elam ending at the end it did just didn't have the same impact that it did last year where the game was close and the teams really really locked down and played really hard basketball uh, and yeah just given that the game was not close enough the, the 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 defense didn't pick up too much and it also the the fourth quarter ended up lasting just 11 minutes of real time. Towards the end there, that uh, Team Durant had, had kind of checked out, and Team LeBron was just waiting to, to get to that mark to finish it off. Um, I, I do enjoy um, how they are kind of the, the, the new model that we've seen over the last few years. How it, there's more of an emphasis on you know maximum output per quarter. Um, you know, I hope they continue that going forward. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought Team LeBron had the superior team. Um, though it was close uh, going into the game. So the fact that they pulled it out, uh, not a huge shock. But, um, but no, I mean, you, you could tell immediately in the game, there's always the one guy that is going to go for the uh, All-Star Game MVP. Always the one guy, and you have to. You know, you got to rack up your stats early because you don't know if you're going to sit, you don't know what, what's going to happen. And, and you could tell pretty clearly that, um, that Giannis uh, was going out for it, trying to fill up the box score, but... But Steph and Dane put on uh, quite a show as well. Yeah, um, speaking to your point about the you know 
yeah, competing for, for each quarter, I do think that adds a little bit of, again, uh, convincing the, these guys to compete a little bit harder, even if it's for the last minute or two of the quarter, if a, if a quarter is up for grabs, I think is always good for the viewer and, and for the game itself. But yeah, the um, Giannis ending up 16 of 16 for 35 points. He ended up getting the MVP. But you were right that uh, Steph and Dame put on a show. At one point, they, they hit back-to-back half-court shots. Uh, the, the two of them both went 8 of 16 from downtown. And uh, Dame with the, uh, the three-point shot from a step inside half-court uh, for, for the, the winning bucket. And I saw a, uh, a pretty good tweet on this. This was Roger Sherman tweeted this. He said he managed to make it Dame time even in a game where they eliminated all the actual timing systems. Dame time exists in a realm beyond our understanding. Funny. Yeah, there were there were some fun moments uh, sprinkled in throughout the game. I, I enjoyed the the bit they they did a uh, at the start of the second quarter. They did the the, the tip off for every quarter at uh, center court, and to start the second, they had the two shortest guys in the uh, on the rosters in uh, CP3 and Mike Conley tip it off. And CP3, it wasn't pretty, but he he won the tip. Yeah, that's uh, that kind of reminded me of uh, I think it was Luca the Rising Stars game his first year uh, when him and Fox uh, did the tip instead of, uh, you know, Luca hopped in for eight and then, you know, Fox hopped in for another big. But it's, it's cool to see the, uh, the shorter guys get in there. Um, I did see one stat that was pretty mind-boggling. So Giannis, uh, he dropped 35. And his, uh, his field goal, he was 16 of 16. He was, uh, he set an all-star record was a record for most attempts without a miss, and he surpassed uh, Hal Greer's record from 1968, who went 8 for 8. So the previous record of field goals without a miss was 8 for 8 in 1968, and Giannis basically doubled that. Yeah, that was that was pretty amazing, and it was it was funny also hearing uh, uh, the the announcers Reggie and and C Webb uh, being you know super worried or concerned when when Giannis would take a three when he was like ten for ten and he would he, he even banked in a couple of threes I think uh, so uh, he uh, it, it was one of those things where obviously yeah Giannis just uh, with him as a player he's always going to get a bunch of easy looks at the rim get a bunch of dunks but yeah you know he didn't he didn't shy away from taking a few jump shots as well and he he knocked those down also yeah it's always good to see from him you know, the guy that people just want to develop that consistent jumper. So, hey, if he's doing the all-star game, he's usually putting up three or four attempts in a game, get those attempts up, so it's, it's, uh, it's good to see. Another uh, situation, you know, I've never been, I don't know about you, James, but I've never been a huge fan of the the, the TNT uh, color commentary duo of, of Reggie and C-Webb, and Reggie had a quote in this one talking about the, the recent Blake Griffin signing for the Nets, saying that that gives them a four-headed monster now. Uh, I don't think Reggie has watched Blake Griffin this season with the Pistons. No, it's uh, it's some name recognition. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to crap on Blake. You know, uh, Detroit Piston faithful here, and uh, he played some good years for us when he did play. He was on the court. Um, no, I mean, hey, if he can uh, if he can play for fifteen minutes a game and. And I'll give, give them good production coming off the bench. That's good for a team that's uh, capped out and doesn't have a lot of options. But, yeah, I don't expect to see him on the floor at the end of the game. Um, I think Reggie should probably, um, you know, 
catch more uh, East Coast uh, TNT primetime games. You'd think he would. Yeah, uh, I think all of those uh, those national TV analysts need to uh, start actually watching a little bit more basketball. I saw Mark Stein tweeted that Charles Barkley is uh, 21 of 82 on the game who he play for <laughs> that they do on Inside the NBA. Uh, they started a game recently where uh, uh, Shaquille O'Neal has to, uh, they, they give him a picture the with uh, the player in their jersey and they give him their uh, the player's last name and he has to guess the player's first name and so far I have not seen him guess one of those correct. <laughs> Uh, so those guys, uh, they need to start actually watching some basketball before they can uh, expect me to, to take them seriously and, and listen to what they have to say. But uh, was, was there anything else about uh, the, the All-Star Day that you wanted to discuss before we get to the All-Star Draft? No, I, I just thought the, uh, the dynamic between Steph and Dame, uh, you know, it's interesting. Usually when guys are on opposing teams, um, you know, sort of like what we saw with, uh, with Deion Waiters, and I can't remember for the life of me. Oh, it was Tim Hardaway. Uh, we saw that in the Rising Stars game a few years ago. Those guys just going back and forth on opposing teams, guarding each other, that whole dynamic. Uh, but it was interesting to see two guys on the same team um, kind of trying to one-up each other a little bit. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. And those two guys uh, have... You know, are probably number one and two in terms of not uh, not just shooting ability, but shooting range. And uh, you know, frankly, from what I saw, it looked like it was it took a little bit. You know, it's funny they they comment every time Steph Curry makes a three, they say he makes it look stefferless. But uh, frankly, the half quarter it looked a little bit easier for Dame to pull off than Steph. Steph had to put a little bit more oomph into it, whereas Dame pretty much makes it look like it's his normal shot. Yeah, he's underrated in his ability to uh, to pull up from deep. Um, you know, everyone thinks that Steph is that guy, which he is, but I think people need to watch the Blazers a little bit more and see just how ridiculous uh, Lillard is in that regard. All right, well let's get to uh, let's get to the main event here. This is the thing that I was most excited to do uh, with you on this episode, and that is the All Star Draft, and uh, we're going to do it very similar to how it was done this past Thursday, but. Uh, it's a team LeBron versus team Durant. I'm going to be uh, LeBron James. I'm going to have the first pick amongst the starters. And then James is going to uh, be Kevin Durant, and he's going to have the pers- first pick amongst the reserves. And uh, we essentially go back and forth. And uh, also just to uh, just to clarify... We are, uh, all these players that we're drafting, we're assuming they're going to be healthy and able to play, and uh, I don't know how you're treating this, James, but I'm treating this as if our teams are going to battle it out in a a very brutal and intense seven-game playoff series. I hope so, with uh, with my team coming on on top, but we'll see. (laughs) All right, so I'll, I'll mention the starters here first. We've got eight guys that we're going to draft. And uh, the, the guys that are available here are Kawhi Leonard, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, Steph Curry, and Nikola Jokic. So I, uh, as LeBron James with the first pick, will draft Kawhi Leonard. Okay. As Kevin Durant, the first pick from reserves i am gonna go with anthony davis james we have to pick from the eight starters first oh we're going 
going starters first. And then yeah. and then we can pick the reserves. But you will have the first pick of the reserves when we get there. I'm going to go with uh, Stephen Curry. Okay. With the next pick, I will take... Well, this is tough. I'm, I'm deciding between two guys. I think I'm going to go with... Let's go with uh, Joel Embiid. Okay, with my next pick, I'm going to go with uh, Giannis Tetacumpo. Okay, so the guys that we have left, we've got Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, Bradley Beal, and Kyrie Irving. I am going to take Bradley Beal. Okay, I am going to take uh, Luka Doncic. All right. Yeah, we've got uh, Kyrie and Jokic. So, I mean, as LeBron, I'm you know I'm playing the four. I've got Kawhi at the three, Beal at the two, and Embiid at the five. So I might as well get my point guard. I'll go with uh, Kyrie Irving. I will take. Last but not least, Nikola Jokic. Okay, so now, James, you get the first pick amongst the reserves, and I will uh, rattle off the the guys that are available here. Anthony Davis, Ben Simmons, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Rudy Gobert, Nikola Vucevic, Donovan Mitchell, DeMontis Sabonis, Paul George, Mike Conley, Damian Lillard, Julius Randle, Zach Levine, James Harden, and last but not least, Zion Williamson. And we are going to end up drafting 16 of these 17 players. And just for the sake of not having uh, uneven roster numbers, one of these guys is going to go undrafted. So, James, why don't you get us started with uh, your your first reserve? Well, I spoke too soon before, but I'm going to go with uh, Anthony Davis as my first reserve. As expected. <laughs> Uh, all right, so with uh, with my first pick amongst the reserves, I'm going to go with uh, Paul George. With my second pick among the reserves, I'm going to go with uh, James Harden. James Harden. All right. With my next pick, I'm going to take Damian Lillard. With my next pick, I'm going to take Ben Simmons. So just to uh, break down who's left here available, we've got Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Rudy Gobert, Nikola Vucevic, Donovan Mitchell, DeMontis Sabonis, Julius Randle, Zach Levine, and Zion. I'm going to go with, uh, again, you know, you can never have too many uh, 3 and D wings. I'm going to take Jalen Brown. All right, I'm going to go with uh, Jason Tatum. Okay, getting the, uh, the Boston Celtics youngsters out of the way. Let's see. So I have, I've got two point guards in Kyrie and Lillard. I've got four wings in LeBron, Leonard, George, and Brown. I've got one center in Joel Embiid. So I'm considering another, uh, another big here. And I think the best big left on the board is uh, Rudy Gobert. That's a good pick. Uh... Drafted Harden, I, I think I want another guy in the backcourt. I'm going to go 
That is a good selection. That was going to be my next pick. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll take the other Phoenix Sun. I'll go Devin Booker. I think that there's going to be some guards left over at the end. Um, so I'm going to take Zion. I'm going to take Zion here. Yeah, that's a solid, solid selection. He's probably the most unique player out of the remaining guys. Uh, so again, what, what we have left, we've got uh, Vucevic... Mitchell, Sabonis, Conley, Randall, and Levine. Yeah, this is this is tough. I um, I guess out of my center spot, you know, you got the the stretch five and Jokic, and uh, I've got Gobert and Embiid. You know, Embiid has definitely improved as a shooter, but I guess I could use a. At this point, you know, I've got let's see past like the number 10 guy on the roster so this is going to be guys that uh, you know are more matchup dependent uh, but uh, I think I'm going to go with uh, Nikola Vucevic to give me a stretch five element I like that that's a good pick yeah I, I mean I figured one of the bigs was probably going to be left off I would like another guard I'm going to go with Donovan Mitchell okay for the most part, I've been going, you know, trying to get as many two-way players. And based on my the point guards that I have so far, you know, I've got Kyrie and Lillard. Neither of those guys, despite being excellent offensive guys, are not known for their defense. So uh, to give me more of a defensive point guard, uh, I'll take uh, Mike Conley. So what's left? It's uh, Sabonis, Randall, and Levine. So just two picks left technically just one pick for you this is your last pick james that's right um i think oh i think i think i feel good about my wings i feel good about my guards i think at this point i'm gonna go big and i'm gonna go with oh man i'm gonna go with sabonis okay so I'm glad you went big because I was not thinking big at all here. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to take the uh, the guard that's left on the board, and you can never have too much shooting. I'll take Zach Levine. And that leaves, we're going to uh, upset any New York fans that are listening, but uh, Julius Randle is the, uh, the player that uh, went unselected. But uh, let's, uh, let's go through and... Uh, kind of break down the rosters what uh, what advantages uh, James you think you have versus uh, what sort of advantages you think I might have but uh, so from the starting lineups uh, for team LeBron which uh, is uh, my team I've got Joel Embiid at the five LeBron at the four Kawhi Leonard at the three Bradley Beal at the two and Kyrie Irving at point and for James's uh, team Kevin Durant he has Nikola Jokic at center, Giannis Antetokounmpo at the power forward position, Kevin Durant at the three, Luka Doncic at the two, and Steph Curry at point. And then off the bench for Team LeBron, Paul George, Damian Lillard, Jalen Brown, Rudy Gobert, Devin Booker, Nikola Vucevic, Mike Conley, and Zach Levine. And off the bench for uh, James's team, Kevin Durant, is Anthony Davis, James Harden, Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum, Chris Paul, Zion Williamson, Donovan Mitchell, 
and Domantas Sabonis. So yeah, James. I mean, just uh, looking at the the rosters here, what uh, what are some of your initial impressions? Well, I wanted to uh, I wanted to be versatile um, at the four and the five. Um, you know, everyone knows in a playoff series you have to be able to have bigs that can stay on the floor, protect the rim, um, kind of be the backbone of your defense. And I'm really happy about that. I mean, I have Anthony Davis, um, who we see play the five in the finals at a high level, do just just fine. Um, you know, I like having Jokic as my starting five, but in all honesty, I probably wouldn't start him. I'd feel better about him coming off the bench. Um, but I do feel good about, you know, throwing out Zion um, at, uh, at the five, potentially, if I needed to, and, and obviously Giannis um, at the five as well. So I, I like my, my big man versatility uh, quite a bit. Yeah, um, that's the that's the that was the tough decision for me. Probably the the toughest decision was between Joel Embiid and Giannis Antetokounmpo. I could have gone for Giannis and and gone for more of just playing him at center and uh, you know playing a, a very switch heavy scheme, which it seems like your team is very suited to do. Uh, but uh, I ended up opting for just the, the drop-back centers in Embiid and Gobert that are really good and then just have a bunch of, you know, athletic wings as well on the perimeter that can that can make plays. Um, so, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting... It, it would be an interesting duel, but it's not often that I will, uh, will concede victory, but I feel like you might have a bit of an edge here. Yeah, but I am looking at my... Uh... My, my reserves here, and you know, though I like my shooting on my first unit, um, but I, I do think Doncic is a bit overrated as a shooter. Um, you know, I like having Steph and KD there. Jokic can obviously shoot it, but in terms of guys in the backcourt and on the wing who can shoot it, I do think my team is a bit light there. Um, obviously, having James Harden on a second unit helps, um, but you know, if he shares the floor with Ben Simmons, then that's that's the ball out of one of those guys' hands, which you don't like to see. Tatum's a good shooter. Uh, CP3 is a good shooter. Uh, Mitchell's okay. You know, Sabonis is okay. But looking back, I probably would have liked to have uh, taken somebody like George or Levine, somebody I'm a little bit more confident in their shooting ability, try to stress the floor a little bit in that second unit. Yeah. Um, for me, it was a pretty obvious uh, Anthony Davis, Paul George were the two best guys here uh, out of the reserves in terms of their two-way play. But, uh, yeah, so I'm trying to think about what my closing lineup would be with this team. Uh, I, I might honestly uh, prefer to have Damian Lillard out there instead of Kyrie. I think Lillard will start and close, just, just given his, uh, you know, we talked about it uh, in the actual All-Star game, but his, his uh, floor spacing as well, he can space it out to 28 feet would be a huge boost. Um, and then, you know, the, the other big question mark is I, I would probably start Paul George over Bradley Beal just to have a little bit more defense so I can really switch anything two through four with, uh, with George, Leonard, and LeBron, and then obviously have, uh, have Embiid as my, as my uh, rim, rim protector. But, uh, yeah, what, uh, what sort of closing lineup do you imagine you would go with? Well, I feel, like I said before, I feel pretty good about my bigs and my wings. Um, I think I'd go Anthony Davis at the five. Um, I think I would I would play Giannis and KD 
uh, keep them on the floor as well. But I need a little bit more shooting there. So I'll keep Steph at the one, have him be my point. And, man, I think, you know, in terms of defense and in terms of defense and, and shooting, um, I think I'm actually going to play Jason Tatum at the two. Yeah, that makes sense. Or you could you could potentially go yeah for me it would be between Tatum or potentially even Chris Paul you could go really small and play you know Paul is strong enough to to deal with bigger players. Yeah, you know if I want to keep this uh, complete you know switch switch heavy, um, I can even throw possibility of throwing Ben Simmons also out there on the floor, but that's just not a lot of offense uh, for me. Right, you get uh, you get into with with Giannis, Davis, and Simmons all out there. You get into questionable amount of shooting. Yeah, and if I'm gonna play all those guys out there at the same time, I'd rather have a, you know, I'd probably rather play Jokic than AD. But I want defense uh, at center, so I'm gonna put Tatum there at the two. Um, you know, there's there's four guys who are long, three guys out of four in my lineup who can shoot it um, and switch and be be pretty versatile in that way. Yeah, so frankly, it looks like to me it's, and this is kind of silly, considering that uh, you know you've got James Harden, who's probably the best shooting guard in the league. But in this sort of context, where you know you've got other guys that can create offense, and you want off-ball shooting and off-ball movement as well as defense, you know Harden doesn't exactly give you as much as say even a Paul George probably would here. Um, but. Uh, yeah, so it seems like with that closing lineup that maybe your two position is your your weak link, whereas for me, um, my weakest spot, it's funny to say that it's Joel Embiid, uh, even though he's probably the MVP right now, you know, given the, the talent that's on the floor and, and you have a guy in Steph Curry, it's it's difficult to play a drop-back scheme against certain players, especially at this level. Yeah, you know, you look at an analysis like, like this, it's really just who has less weaknesses um, on their team, right? And uh, and the reserves become that much more important when you're talking about a seven-game series as opposed to, to one game. Um, no, I mean, you, you do have excellent rim protection. Um, though I have one guy, you know, having a beat angle there, someone who is always going to protect the rim, keep the same consistent drop-back scheme all the time. Um, and you also have Kawhi Paul George. You know, to have those two guys, even it's a lot of length, man. It's shooting Jalen Brown too. I'm, I'm kind of jealous of your wings, now that I'm looking at it. <laughs> well, let's and, let's hear it, James. Who do you uh, who do you have winning this matchup in a seven game playoff series? Oh boy, um, I'm gonna have to go with Jalen Brown. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I have your team winning in seven. I, it's, it's real tight. Um, but uh, yeah, my, my big concern is dealing with Steph Curry, uh, and, and also, you know, just the, uh, 
uh, I think your team has a little bit better ability to throw out a, a five-man lineup that can switch and be really good. You know, if you if you throw out Chris Paul, Jason Tatum, Ben Simmons, uh, Anthony Davis, and Giannis, <laughs> I mean yeah. that that team has you know um, that team has uh, has a decent you know not a ton of shooting, but I think enough. And you know a, a really really unstoppable defense, and then you can you can have like a, a crazy good offensive team too if you throw Steph, Jokic, uh, James Harden. Um, you know you've got Luka Doncic as well, and either Davis or Giannis as the role man. You know you've you've got uh, an incredible uh, incredible group of you know offensive and defensive lineups. I think maybe my team is slightly better as far as just two way play, but. Uh, I, I think you've got enough guys that can just create offense even against good defense. Again, Doncic and Harden, too, the best in the league at that. Jokic as well. So, yeah, I'll, I'll give it, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll concede to you in, in seven games. It, uh, I, I, I was a little bit jealous when I asked you which team or which player you wanted to be that you picked KD because, yeah, I think that getting Anthony Davis as the first reserve was just a, was a, <laughs> was a, was a bigger advantage than getting the first pick of the starters. Yeah, I think so too. Um, though I'm, I'm looking at your team right now, and I definitely do think it would go seven because you just have so many heat check guys on your team, man. And uh, especially someone with like like Gobert in a seven game series, he's going to have at least two games where he just he dominates at the rim, and uh, and guys just aren't able to uh, to convert there. But a guy like Kyrie, Beal, LeBron, all those guys. Easily can drop forty in a playoff game. Um, Embiid as well. Good God. Yeah, I, I like your team quite a bit, man. It would, it would definitely be close. Um, we didn't really take uh, injury luck into consideration here, but uh, you know, my team, um, my team is not the uh, not the healthiest. Now that I'm looking at it, you know. Oh yeah, with uh, with Zion and Simmons and uh, you know Davis as well, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, Davis as well, uh, KD. But yeah. I mean, we we went into this with uh, yeah. the assumption that everyone was going to be healthy. So uh, this was this was a heck of a lot of fun, James. I appreciate you uh, indulging me and doing this exercise and and talking about this. This was a blast. I really enjoyed this, man. This was fun, and uh, you know maybe they should just make us the GMs next uh, next year's All Star game. Exactly, or at the very least, you know, um, I don't think, given the performance of Giannis in the first two All-Star drafts, I don't think he should ever be allowed to, uh, to to pick the teams again. But at the very least, make it so that both guys are playing in the game, because just inherently with, with this year, even though LeBron, you know, essentially kind of boycotted the game and only played the first quarter or whatever, uh, you know, just having a player that's playing as one of the captains versus a player that isn't is a, is a huge advantage. Yeah, I mean, you're going to be on the floor with the guys. You're going to want to pick the guys that you want to play with and think that you can win with. Um, you know, maybe uh, maybe KD picked picked a few of his friends as opposed to who the best lineup would have been. But I agree with you on that sentiment. All right, James. Well, again, thanks so much for, for coming on and taking the time. Thank you so much for having me, man. This was a blast. Thanks so much for listening to Duncan Dynasty. Please, if you can, if you have a moment, go to iTunes and uh, give us a rating and review. 
preferably five stars. And uh, if you could give any thoughts about what you like about the show, that would be much appreciated. We are also on Spotify, so uh, you can give us a rating on there as well. If you'd like to find some other content outside of this podcast, you can find me on Twitter, at Garrett Bougay. That's G-A-R-R-E-T-T-B-U-G-A-Y. I will be uh, tweeting various uh, NBA thoughts as well as some, some thoughts on some other uh, interests of mine, including soccer and film and television. So uh, if you're looking for some of my takes throughout the, the course of the week, you can find me there. You can find my co-host Corbin Ford on Twitter at CorbinNBA. That's C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A. So uh, he, uh, he does, a, d- does a good job on Twitter as well. He's very active. I'm also doing uh, some work as a contributor for Rip City Project, which uh, does all things Blazers. So if you're looking for some written content, you can check those websites out. Corbin also does his own pod on the side called NBA Today. Uh, he, uh, he does some, some fun work over there, so, so please, I encourage you to check that out. But uh, thanks so much again for, for listening, and have a great rest of your day.